So how's everyone doing? We all had a good week? Good, good. I won't talk about sports this morning. Let's just move on. Eh? Hey, this morning we're beginning a new series called uh, Overcomer. Do we have any overcomers in the room this morning? Has anyone here ever had to overcome stuff, overcome things? You know, I love that the Bible teaches us that by the power of Jesus, we are more than conquerors, amen? And that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Isn't that cool stuff to hold on to uh, when we have a relationship with Jesus? And so uh, we have this series uh, over the next four weeks, and it's a series that we've adapted from uh, Craig Rochelle's Life Church uh, in the U.S. And so over the next four weeks, uh, we'll be sharing uh, on overcoming four areas uh, in life that, that stra- 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 strangles, uh, st- strangle. does feel like it strangles you a little bit, um, four areas of life that are a struggle and that uh, can entangle us if we allow it to. And uh, we're kicking off this morning with a message uh, that I've called Overcoming the Curse of Comparison. So I'm just going to switch over now. All right. That was a good place to switch over because I can just cut and paste in the recording. You know, it's never been easy, easier than it is today to compare ourselves with others. You kind of get that, and we kind of uh, understand that. And uh, there's a good chance that at some point in your life, we've kind of walked around and we've found ourselves uh, pretty satisfied with how things are going. We've found ourselves uh, feeling pretty good about life, pretty good about what God's blessed us with. And uh, we could be having the best day uh, in the week, and then you kind of pull up Instagram and Facebook. Anyone heard of those things? You pull up Instagram and Facebook, and then you have a look at everyone else's life, and you have a look at everyone having fun. And uh, how many people get this? You have a look at their feet. So you kind of see pictures of their feet by the swimming pool. You put their feet by the beach. You see their feet by a book that they're reading. You see their feet by a glass of wine. I don't think I've looked at my feet more in real life than I have in photos of Debbie's Instagram posts. (laughs) But you kind of bring it up and you just see feet, 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 wine, feet. And you can kind of look at that and kind of go, man, my life, my, my life, after, after having a good week, you can feel, man, my life really ain't that great. You know, Debbie and I have, uh, Debbie and I have uh, some pastor friends who, uh, over the last year, they, they've, you know, photos of their feet, photos of their face uh, in, in, on holiday. It's like f- probably three or four times in the last year they've been on holiday. I'm like, man, this, these pastors get paid way too much. It's like they're always on holiday. And... Uh, and, you know, we kind of adopt uh, a culture which Pastor Andy Stanley calls uh, a culture from the land of Ur. Has anyone ever heard of that before? The land of Ur. It's, it's, it's this culture and this place where you want to add Ur to the end of everything. So you want to be rich Ur. You want to be bet Ur. You want to be pretty Ur. You want to be happy Ur and great Ur. Anyone, anyone know that place? Anyone sat in that place before? And so uh, whatever, whatever it is that you have, you want it, and you want it bigger and better than it is. And then from there, you kind of end up in this place uh, that's called the land of Ist. 
Can anyone think what the land of ist is? It's not enough now just to be richer. You want to be the richest. It's not enough now to just want to be prettier. You want to be the prettiest. You want to be the happiest. You want to be the greatest because we're just comparing ourselves with other people and what's going on in other lives. And that leads us to wanting everything we've got, everything we have, everything everyone else has got, and more. Now, Pastor Stephen Furtick uh, says the problem this way. He puts the problem this way. He says, the problem with comparing ourselves like that is we're comparing all of our behind-the-scenes stuff with everyone else's highlight reels. You're comparing all the problems that you know you're dealing with in your life. You're comparing all the struggles that you know you're dealing with in your life, and we compare them to everyone's highlight reels, everyone's best shots of their holidays, everyone's best shots of what's going on, everyone's beautiful shots of their meals that they've just made. You know, It's like people taking photos of their dinners. Um, man, show me a photo after you've eaten it, and let's see the mess that has to be cleaned up. But it's what we do, right? We could start a trend. But it's what we do. And it's funny, it's a, it's a problem that we see in one way or another in Scripture. Where the characters in the Bible, for all they have and for all they've got, they want to be better, they want to be greater, and they want, others, they want what others have and what's not theirs. Classic example in the Old Testament, King David. This guy's a king. People do what he says. He gets what he wants. When he wants it, he's got everything he needs. And he goes up to the roof to get some air, and he looks across and he sees Bathsheba. Someone else's wife. It's not his. In fact, the wife of a soldier who was out in the battlefield fighting for him. And he goes on and he just takes it. You know, in the Gospels, we see the, the disciples struggling uh, amongst themselves, comparing themselves with one another as we see them vie for who is the greatest among them. You know, in Mark 39, uh, in Mark 9, uh, verses 33 to 34, uh, when Jesus comes to Capernaum and they kind of settle in a home, he turns to them and he says, what, what, what is it that you guys were debating along the road? And in verse 34, it says that they kept silent for on the road they were disputing among themselves who would be the greatest. They were comparing each other with each other to see who was the best and to see who was better. And you know, when I look at the disciples like that, I just love how human they are. And just how real their lives are. So they're arguing and comparing themselves to see who's the closest to Jesus, to see who's the greatest, and to see who is first. And so our first point this morning for overcoming comparison is to get to know your true worth. Get to know your true worth. 
You know, when we're comparing our lives with others, we're doing one of two things. And looking at how other people's lives are in comparison to ours, we're either making ourselves feel superior to them, because maybe our, our life is better in comparison, or we're making ourselves feel inferior to them because they've got a better car, they've got a better life, they've got a better job. And neither of those on that spectrum honor God. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12, Paul writes, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who condemn, who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. So Paul here is uh, responding to uh, critics, to his critics, who have been kind of pridefully boasting about what they've been doing and comparing themselves and measuring themselves with others and how well others aren't doing and measuring themselves by their own standard of what is good and what isn't good and by their own opinions of what is right and what is not right. And Paul, knowing who he's called to be in Christ, knowing his mission and his, uh, his walk and his race to run, knowing that he has a purpose, calls these people what? Unwise. And so to start dealing with comparison, uh, we need to answer one big question. Who or what are you allowing to define your worth? If getting to know your true worth is important to overcoming comparison, we need to answer this question. Who or what is defining your worth? Who or what are you comparing yourself to? Who are you trying to prove yourself to? Who are you trying to impress? Who are you trying to live for? Who is it that you are trying to achieve for? And it's a simple question. Uh, I agree. But it's such an important and a powerful one because this question is life-changing. To answer this question correctly can change your life. You know, I lived my teenage years uh, and much of my young adult life being defined by an act that happened to me as a child. Being defined by a sexual abuse that made me think I'm worthless. I spent my teenage life locked up in a box, compressed within myself because I felt that I had no value to add to this world. Anyone been there before? All because something had happened to me in my childhood. And I think if we're honest with ourselves this morning in assessing this question, 
like I did for many years, I think some of us would find that we're living our lives for a dad who's not even alive anymore. Or we're living our lives for a mum who's never gonna give us what we want. Maybe she never, maybe she can't give us what she wants. Or we're living our lives to show our ex-spouse how good we can do without them. Or show an, an old partner how much better off we are. We could be going around living our life for our spouses, for a leader, for a mentor. And as we live our lives for these other people, we're comparing ourselves with everyone that we think can impress them and everyone that we believe we should look like to impress them. You know, our answer to this question, I believe, needs to be Jesus. Who or what are you allowing to define your worth? I believe the answer to that question needs to be Jesus. Because it's through him that we gain our true worth as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Because it's through him that we receive the true measure that matters in life, godly righteousness. And it's in him that we find that there is nothing on this earth, nothing on this earth that can compare to who God has made us, that can compare to who God is calling us to be. Because Jesus, the God in the flesh, makes us complete. Amen? Jesus makes us complete. You're created by the Most High God. Not only that, you're created in His image. Our God has revealed through Jesus Christ, His Son, all that we need to know about Him. He's revealed through Jesus that you're loved that you're accepted. He's revealed through Jesus that you're redeemed, that you can be restored. And that's a pretty special life to be living, eh? And the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it with something it's not. Or to compare it with something it's never supposed to be. You know, to win the race between, to win the race that's been laid out for us, for you in this life, and to cut through the comparison between your worth and everyone else's, we need Jesus to define our worth and to set our direction. And so here's one way that I believe we can do that. In Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, Paul writes, Therefore we also... Since we are surrounded by a great, by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The second point this morning, we only got two points this morning. The second point this morning, 
So get to know your lane and run in it. Two things here that I want to mention. Firstly, you've got to get into the race. Not the rat race, not the, not the popularity race, not the pursuit of happiness race, not the pursuit of wealth race, but the race of faith race. Get into the race. Get into the kingdom race. Get into that place where God's the one setting your path and leading you on. And then once you've got into the race, the second of this, this morning is you've got to line up in the right lane. Not in someone else's lane, not in your neighbor's lane, not in your work colleague's lane, not in some other spiritual leader's lane. What, what's your lane? Get in the race, line up in the right lane. You know, in John, uh, John's, John's a funny book. It's a great book. Uh, but I love the way that John refers to himself in the third person uh, throughout his writing. And, and he refers to himself as uh, the one that Jesus loves. So I don't know if he's trying to tell everyone something about who he is and, and you know, his position in the order, in the picking order of things. But in the book of John, we often see John and Peter uh, kind of played off against each other. And, uh, you know, so you've got, you've got the one that Jesus loved versus Petros the rock. It's like, whoa. And uh, when, Mary told, when Mary told Peter that Jesus had ridden, we see, uh, we see the account of, of Peter and John racing to, racing to the tomb. And so, you know, the... the the key point in the story is that Jesus is written. Right, let's just put that out there first. That's the key point of the story. Jesus is risen. Uh, and so John goes and tells his story. And, and, and so, uh, you know, he says, oh, so the, the Peter and the other disciple, and he's talking about himself here. Peter and the other disciple race off uh, to the tomb. And so they're racing to the tomb. Jesus is risen. And then John says, the other disciple outran Peter. It's like, oh. And they go, oh, Jesus is ridden. The other disciples outrun. What, what? And then further along, he says, the other disciple got to the tomb first. And Peter's kind of staggering along. And so they're running to the tomb, and, and John's quite happy to tell us that he's faster. Uh, you know, he's kind of happy to tell us that he's, he's better. And so we have, this, we have this kind of comparing between these two disciples, which I thought was, was quite funny. Uh, in, in John, and in John 21, uh, Jesus, Jesus, comes, uh, Jesus comes to the disciples and he restores Peter. And uh, he's restoring Peter because Peter's feeling pretty bad uh, having denied Jesus three times. And uh, Jesus comes to him and he restores Peter and he asks him three times. Uh, for the three times that uh, Peter denied him. He said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter responds and he says, Lord, you know I love you. So Jesus says, feed my sheep. He says again, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. He says, feed my sheep. And then Jesus says it again, Peter, do you love me? 
Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. He says, feed my sheep. And then in verse 21, we read that Peter, turning around, saw the disciple who Jesus loved following. This is John writing about himself. And then it goes on to say, Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? He says, what's going to become of him? Peter, having just been given his mission, Peter, having just been given his purpose, having just been given his direction from Jesus himself, turns around and wants to compare his life with John's. What about him? I think that we've probably all done that at some point. Gone, Lord, what about me? What about them? Why them? What about this? And look at what Jesus responds here. In verse 22, Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is it to you? If you're sitting around asking God, what's going on with everyone else's life? If Jesus wills that they are blessed, that they get what they want, if Jesus wills that way, what is it to you? And then he says to him, you follow me. Follow him how? Jesus has just laid out for him his path. Feed my sheep. And so Jesus is telling people, don't worry about what's going on in his life, her life, their life. Just follow me. Follow what Jesus has called you to be to do run with endurance the race that is set before you looking to Jesus the author and finisher of our faith find your lane find your purpose find your calling it may be in the community it may be in business. It may be in mission. It may be in ministry. Maybe in a combination of all those things. And if you want help to do that, speak to Debbie. We've got a great, we've got a great session in the growth track that can assist you with finding how God has gifted you and wired you. Find your lane and run that race with confidence that you're running the kingdom race the faith race. Always looking to Jesus and always following Him. Amen. You know, we overcome the curse of comparison by knowing we're right where God has called us to be. When you're in that place that God has called you to be, there is no comparison. We overcome comparison 
by knowing where God has called us to be and by following Jesus, not others. Pleasing no one else but God. Trusting in Him to take care of everything else that's, con- that's concerning us, that might be burdening us, while fulfilling our calling and using every blessing for His purpose and glory. You know, I do believe that when we're living out of that place, then we're able to celebrate joyfully with everyone who's doing well. There's no comparison because we rejoice with them in their success. We're able to cry and grieve and mourn with people who aren't doing well. There's no comparison to make us feel any better or any bigger or any higher because we're grieving with them. And so I want to encourage you this morning as we enter into this series to get to know your true worth in Jesus and get into the race, the faith race for the kingdom.